Welcome to Zest and Progress, a podcast that energizes you to make positive change in your own life and the world around you. I'm your host, Leah Clapper, and on today's show, I'm chatting with Blair Wolski. She's a performance dietitian who works with top athletes at University of Florida to help them maximize performance through nutrition. I asked for your biggest nutrition questions on social media, and wow, did you all come in clutch. We'll be covering several topics from what to eat after working out to the best recovery foods and the importance of hydration. We might even bust some myths about the latest popular food fads and dieting trends. This episode is absolutely packed with useful information and everyday tips, so without further ado, let's dust it up. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited to bring some of our conversations from the past uh, few years to light and share some nutrition knowledge with everyone. So am I. Before we get into the nitty-gritty practical tips, I want to touch on something super important. There's an insane amount of nutrition advice on the internet, and every time I open social media, it seems like somebody is telling me what I should or should not eat, and it all contradicts itself, and it's tricky to separate fads from well-researched facts. So who should we believe and how can you tell if nutritional information is trustworthy? Yes, that is a great question and that is something I get so often from everybody across the board, whether it's athletes to general population. And social media can be such a tough scene to navigate because there is so much information out there. And like you said, it's telling you one thing or telling you another thing and it's hard to separate those facts. And so don't get me wrong, I love a good TikTok recipe or Instagram food demo, um, but generally I don't recommend taking dietary advice from those posting on social media. You just really don't know what their background is, and it is hard to get the evidence-based practices into play. So if you do need true guidance, whether for a medical issue or dietary goals, it's best to look into getting advice from a registered dietitian or medical practitioner. However, I will say there are some great foodie accounts out there. Um, I would ensure that those accounts are run by a registered dietitian or someone with a RDLD credential. They're gonna post a lot more about food freedom, body positivity, and all foods fit. And then you can kind of filter down and find accounts that help promote those different ideals or mantras versus the fad diets. Um, Furthermore, if you're just browsing the web, making sure that you're checking into websites like the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics or looking at web addresses that end in .gov, .org, or .eud versus some of those more general .coms. And really, a lot of the times with the social media stuff, it's a lot easier to tell you what to watch out for than what to look for. And so there are some, you know, absolute red flags, which I talk about with my athletes, just making sure that you're not listening to any type of food trend or diet that tells you to completely cut out one food category or another. Um, Anyone that's discussing a miracle pill or supplement stating that something is going to happen overnight or it's going to heal or cure all your problems. Um, those too good to be true claims like you're going to lose 10 pounds in a week or you're going to skyrocket your energy levels, something like that. And then just kind of watching some of those testimonials that lack scientific backing so that are more from 
or sound like they're from a paid influencer versus someone who actually may have been part of an experiment or something with a little bit more research backing. That all makes a lot of sense. Thank you for laying it all out there. And I definitely come across those TikToks or Instagram posts all the time where it's like, eat this and this will happen or blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, nah, I don't really think so and scroll past. But it can be easy to fall victim to that kind of stuff. And if you're not careful, um, it can be misleading. And on the flip side of that, I have gotten so many amazing recipe ideas from social media. But like you mentioned, it's from those accounts that are often in emphasizing that all foods fit and enjoy food and just get more healthy stuff into your lifestyle and sometimes there are some great recipe suggestions out there which is always fun but maybe not so much for the nutrition advice on social media but more the recipes is what I find is beneficial. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I think it's a great place to get creative, find ideas, try something new in the kitchen. You know, a lot of it, there's play by play, or you can follow recipes or blogs, which I know you're super familiar with. And it's just a lot of good information towards trying different types of foods. Definitely. And going off the topic of social media a little bit, I had asked listeners on my personal social media for their biggest nutrition questions, and one of the most popular was recovery food. Walk me through what a beneficial meal might look like after a tough tough workout. Yes, and that is a great question and something that we focus on so, we put so much emphasis on the importance of this recovery, and really I just want to start with basically it's going to be the what and it's going to be the when. Um, You know, to hit that recovery, you want to make sure that you're eating. That's the bottom line of it. And we always preach about this golden window. So making sure that you're eating within an hour after those tough workout times. That's kind of what I tell my athletes. Make sure you're getting something. The sooner the better, but you want to try to hit that hour window just to kind of maximize that protein muscle synthesis so you're rebuilding those muscles you're replenishing your glycogen stores which is going to give you energy and help you just recover for the next day or doing it again later um so you know what you want to do is balance your carbohydrates your fiber and then your protein as well and i'm always you know talking about the addition of adding color so the carbohydrates the fiber that's going to help you with fullness it's going to help you with your digestion regulation and then it's also going to provide that energy or top off what we call those glycogen stores so that's kind of refilling your tank and then we have the protein addition and so that's going to help again with the digestion of the carbs so those work hand in hand and then that's going to help rebuild those muscles that you're breaking down whether it's lifting tumbling running cardio circuits any of that type of stuff And then obviously the added benefit of the colors is just going to be vitamins and minerals that are going to help boost your immune system and just do have so many functional benefits within the body. Would you say there are specific foods out there that are great to incorporate into your diet that specifically helps with recovery? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of up and coming research about recovery foods and even you know some more on the supplement basis but there are a lot of whole food products that one can add into the diet to help with this 
almost anti-inflammatory. So your anti-inflammatory, that's going to help reduce that inflammation as you guys are exercising and working out for so many hours. Your stress hormones are skyrocketing in your body and that's just going to cause that soreness and that inflammation or that swelling in the limbs. And so really we kind of talk about anti-inflammatory foods to help reduce that. And that would be options like cold water fish. So whether it's lake trout, salmon, albacore tuna, nuts and seeds, so flax seeds, walnuts, some of those options there olive oil, overall a lot of fruits and vegetables, uh, whole grains, and then a lot of the plant-based proteins as well, like legumes and some of those nuts that I had mentioned earlier. Um, additionally, cherry tart juice is another uh, kind of recovery option that we use with our athletes during certain times to help reduce that inflammation, and that generally tends to go over pretty well. We've talked about the recovery. Yes. Let's talk about the before workout fuel. I know a lot of people who are too nervous to eat before a big game or competition. Do you have any suggestions for getting the proper fuel if a big meal feels like too much? Yes, and I hear that quite a bit as well, whether it's because food sits in their stomach or they have a sensitive stomach or nerves come into play. I think obviously it's important to take a deeper look at that, uh, whether that those stomach issues are a result of maybe bowel movements or is it just nerves or are they having trigger foods that are causing some sort of issue. Maybe we're looking at adding a probiotic just to kind of help with that daily, um, you know, food production or food intake. And then additionally, kind of looking at it again with our windows. Um, generally with our athletes, we have a pre-workout, pre-competition meal about three to four hours prior. And that would be your more balanced, larger meal, uh, pairing again the carbs and the protein. We would only do a little bit of the healthy fat at that time because that's what can tend to feel uncomfortable in the stomach. Um, but it, you're doing it three to four hours prior so that your body has time to start digesting it and utilizing that energy or that food for energy sources. Um, and really you want to focus on familiar foods at that time. You wouldn't want to go try Indian food or Chinese food or something super spicy or acidic if that's not something that you're used to eating generally. Um, and then, you know, hopefully that will also help with it not sitting in the gut is backing it up a little bit there. And then additionally, making sure that you have a snack an hour to 30 minutes prior to that event, to that practice, and that would just be something a little bit more simpler, a simple carbohydrate. So maybe something like applesauce, pretzels, really just something to top off those glycogen stores. Um, and then if you need something maybe 15 minutes prior or before an event, between events, that would be something like a chew or a gel um, or maybe even a little applesauce at that time as well. Um, but really in the morning, you know, and the night before, it doesn't just start day of fueling. You want to make sure you're hitting a few days prior, making sure that you're staying consistent in your fueling. If you have a meet on Friday, you're really tuning in on that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, making sure that you're getting your nutrition in line, your hydration in line. And then that morning of making sure you're doing something pretty usual, you're having breakfast, you're going to get some lunch in if it's an afternoon or evening meet, and then just kind of hitting your windows from there. 
Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And I definitely feel the eating food that you're familiar with topic. I know you do. I found that it's been very helpful when I eat things that I know that I like, Mm -hmm. not just because I know it's something that I like, but something that I know is going to sit well with me and fuel me well for the meat. So I think planning ahead has been super beneficial in keeping my energy levels high throughout big competitions. And then I love how you mentioned getting that simple carb right before you go is a something like a smoothie a good option to get that quick energy before a meet. Yes, absolutely. As long as your stomach can tolerate it and, you know, just watching things like maybe dairy doesn't necessarily sit with you, so you do a fruit-based smoothie or juice-based smoothie. And then really I would just kind of watch amounts, maybe drinking a 16-ounce smoothie right before you go and tumble might not sit well, but if that's something that works for you, that's definitely a great source of quick carbohydrates. And, you know, liquid calories are always pretty easy to get and to give you that boost. And, you know, I say the simple carbs, it's really the carbs that are going to be a lot quicker and easier to break down. So if you're thinking an apple versus a smoothie, that smoothie, a lot of it is already mostly broken down via the blender. So it just takes a lot of the work out of your body's digestion process that you have to do. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's all fun food science things. (laughs) Definitely. And I definitely find that trial and error is important. So maybe not trying these new (laughs) things the day of a competition, but testing out how it feels when you eat a certain breakfast or a big meal at this time, and then you eat something specific before a practice, trying it at least once or twice before a practice rather than a big game, I think is always a good idea. That is a great point. I would not recommend trying anything new the day of a competition. Kind of like I said, the familiar foods, familiar timing, definitely go the route of practice or even if you have maybe uh, scrimmages or intra-squad meets or something along off-season's a great time to kind of nail down some of these details. And so I think that's definitely great advice. Shifting gears a little bit, I feel like many people still believe that you need to eat meat and animal products to get enough protein as an athlete. And this question is personal to me because I've actually been a vegetarian since I was six years old and I eat mostly plant-based today. Talk to me about some of your favorite proteins for both meat eaters and plant-based people. Yeah, and honestly, there's so many great protein options out there just across the whole and I think really it's super important and beneficial to kind of be open-minded with protein. You're definitely allowed to have your food beliefs, and as long as you're doing it the right way and know what you're doing and making sure that you're covering all your bases, I say get creative. Go out there and try something new, buy something new, season something new, cook something in a different way, whether that's something more traditional like a salmon or a chicken or maybe trying some tempeh or tofu Um, Other, you know, additions are edamame and legumes, so black beans, pinto beans, a lot of those different options there. Um, My personal favorite fish right now is sea bass. I have been on a huge fish kick since moving to Florida, and so it also can be kind of regional where you live. Obviously, maybe someone in the Midwest might not get as fresh uh, ocean fish as us down in Florida. 
Um, but kind of giving it different tries, being open-minded, creative, um, and seeing what you come up with. Awesome. I love that idea. Moving along, I want to touch on hydration. Why is it so important, and how do you know if you're drinking enough water? I love a good hydration conversation. Hydration is something that's um, super important to me. It's important to everyone, really. There are just so many positive benefits of hydration. One, it's going to regulate your body temperature, which is just going to help you through exercise as your core temp is going up. It's going to help keep you, I mean, I say calm, cool, collected, but it's going to help you keep your wits about you. It's going to lubricate your joints. So I always give my athletes the metaphor of beef jerky versus a nice, raw, juicy steak. And so if you think of your tendons and ligaments and muscles as that piece of meat or a piece of jerky, think of how easy it is to tear that jerky or jerky stick versus the steak. The steak is a hydrated piece of meat, and it is a lot more difficult to rip through than a piece of jerky and so jerky being obviously the dehydrated meat so it's just going to be protective against injuries it's super helpful in that sense it's going to transport nutrients in your body so different water soluble vitamins need water in the body to be brought and absorbed and then just providing that overall energy helps with skin clearance there are really so many good options there and honestly, the best way to check if you're hydrated is to look at your urine color. So making sure that you're using the bathroom throughout the day and, you know, they have a scale of zero to eight, zero being clear and eight, seven or eight being like maple syrup color. You want to be at about a three, four, which looks more like lemonade. Gotcha. That is definitely good to know. And I love the analogy of the beef jerky versus the steak. That is such a clear picture in my mind. And it's crazy to believe that's kind of what's happening in your body, when, yes. whether you're hydrated or not. Going on the topic of hydration, what are the benefits of beverages, including electrolytes? And is it necessary to drink them as opposed to just water? And in the context of a normal day versus a practice day or a competition day, is there a difference in that as well? So for mo most functioning humans, water is going to be the best option. You have a colon that's going to absorb that water, help carry nutrients throughout your body. Um, there are definitely time and places for electrolytes and those replenishing type beverages, um, but water is going to be the best option to stay hydrated and to drink that uh, most of your day. But I will say if you're a heavy sweater, if you're working out outside, um, if you're in the heat and humidity for, you know, greater than an hour and a half sweating, that would be the time around practice times that you would want to implement some type of electrolytes. And those are just going to help absorb that water and move it through your cells. So water is the best option, but, you know, they have water options enhanced with electrolytes. And then there's items like Gatorade, obviously. And so those are all, they all have their time, they all have their place. And what about salty snacks or things with salt? Where do those fall into the realm of things? If you're comparing an electrolyte beverage with food that you have a little bit of salt on it, kind of what's the difference and do they have the same benefits? They do have the same benefits. You could use those interchangeably. So I think it would be kind of a matter of personal goals and whether or not you need to have 
a snack, a calorie, or if you're just doing something where you need the straight salts in maybe a drink, but the salt on the food is going to do the same thing as those electrolytes inside those packets and those drinks. Always good to know. And I know there's not necessarily a right or wrong way, but it's always nice to have that reassurance. Exactly. <laughs> Compare, you know, the factual information with what I'm doing, and hopefully that's helpful for listeners as well. With that, another popular listener question was about intermittent fasting. What are the effects, and in your opinion, should athletes even consider trying it? Yes, I do get this question quite a bit too. It's so trendy right now. Um, and really, I it's not a fad that I love particularly. Um, there's just not a lot of evidence-based benefits. A lot of the research is newer, so it doesn't go through the long-term effects or um, it doesn't have a very diverse population that the research is done on. It's generally white, male, middle-aged males. And so... You know, there's just so many more benefits to eating consistently, like blood glucose and even hormonal control. And so what we do know about fasting is it drives up that cortisol level. So that's your stress hormone in your body. And elongated periods of driving that up will just create a higher baseline for that stress cortisol level. Um, which will promote fat storage. And then, you know, long term, that's going to cause adrenal insufficiency, which essentially is your hormones aren't going to regulate as they necessarily should. So for women, not such a great, you know, idea. Men too as well. I mean, they have they have hormones that come into play with like testosterone. But yeah, there's a lot of research coming out on that. Um, additionally, just even with the intermittent fasting you know there are again right and wrong ways to do it it may not be safe for everybody so it's definitely something you want to check with a doctor or a nutrition dietitian a medical professional just to kind of see if that would be an option for you but in terms of my athletes you know generally they have this calorie amount that they're looking for or that they need to hit in a day to even maintain their peak levels of performance throughout the year. So it's really hard for them to eat what they need to eat in those certain windows. That makes a lot of sense. And I think what you just said applies a lot to me personally. I know that I always eat a snack before bed <laughs> because I'm just hungry at that time. And if I don't eat a snack before bed, then I wake up really hungry. And I think it's probably very important for me to get those extra calories and extra nutrients before bed. But, you know, back to the social media thing, I see all the time people saying, yes. oh, don't eat after seven or, oh, don't eat three hours before you go to bed. But you know what? That doesn't work for me. And I mean, there's information on both sides, and I know right. there's a lot of research coming out that's like, oh, it's it's fine to eat before bed. Oh, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it does matter. And that's, you know, all that stuff can get confusing. Absolutely. But for me, and after talking to you, mm -hmm. I just realized that, hey, my body wants to eat right now, and so that's, I should let it do that. And my late night, usually a chia seed pudding parfait, Snack is one of my favorite parts of the day. I get to wind down and just enjoy my healthy snack and maybe watch a little bit of television or read a book, and I really enjoy that. So I think that 
intermittent fasting would not be an option <laughs> for me. But I know that it's different for everybody, and right. you just have to find what works for you. Absolutely. Everybody has their own needs, and so... I think it's great that you know this about yourself. You honor your hunger cues. You listen to your body, and you do just what feels good for you in that moment. On the topic of nutrition research, I know there is probably a ton of up-and-coming sports nutrition research out there. What excites you the most? Yeah, so I think one of the newer topics to enter the scene is kind of this female nutrition. Kind of as I mentioned, a lot of the studies that we have are on either a very small population or untrained individuals or middle-aged white males, and so it's not very diverse. And what is starting to come down the pipeline is just, um, you know, just female nutrition. So nutrition around menstrual cycles, around what you should be eating and when and how your hormones are affected. And so I'm looking forward to reading a lot more about that and then in turn educating my female athletes about that. Well, I am looking forward to hearing that information as well. Final question, a little bit of a personal one. What adds zest to your life? Something that brings you joy. Yes, and that is such a great question because especially in the athletics world, It's a lot of hours and so it's super important to fill up your cup and do something for yourself and I would say definitely sunshine. I love being outside. I love just the warmth on my face and then kind of hand in hand with that is books. I love reading. It is a great escape for me and it's something that I can just kind of feel productive doing and spend hours lost in a book. Awesome. It's the little things in life for sure. Honestly. Well, thank you so much, Blair. I'm so glad we sat down and chatted today. Yes. Thank you so much again for having me and thinking of me. I hope that your listeners get something out of this. I'm so glad I got to sit down with Blair today. I know I learned a lot and I hope you did too. Some of my biggest takeaways were to pair carbohydrates with protein, drink lots of water, and don't be afraid to try new things. Just not on competition day. Above all, listen to your body and enjoy your favorite foods. With that, I will link my personal food blog, Zest and Finesse, in the show notes if you are interested in checking it out. On it, I share my favorite recipes and inspire you to fuel up with delicious and nutritious food alongside me. As always, please share the podcast if you enjoy Zest and Progress. If everyone just tells one more person about the pod, Zest and Progress will double in size. With that, have an amazing week and eat up. Bye-bye.